0: Blessed be God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And blessed be his kingdom, now and forever. Amen. Let us pray. Almighty God, to you all hearts are open, all desires known, and from you no secrets are hid. Cleanse the thoughts of our hearts by the inspiration of your Holy Spirit, that we may perfectly love you and worthily magnify your holy name. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. I invite you to remain standing and join together in our song of praise. be with you. Let us pray. Keep your church, O Lord, by your perpetual mercy, and because without you the frailty of our nature causes us to fall, keep us from all things hurtful and lead us to all things profitable for our salvation. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit one God, forever and ever. Amen. Please be seated for the reading of Holy Scripture.
1: Please join me in reading from Psalm 67. We will read responsively from the bulletin. May God be merciful unto us and bless us and show us the light of his countenance and be merciful unto us. Let your way be known upon earth, your saving health among all nations. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Indeed, let all the peoples praise you. O let the nations rejoice and be glad, for you shall judge the peoples righteously and govern the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God, let all the peoples praise you. Then shall the earth bring forth her increase, and God, even our own God, shall give us his blessing. God shall bless us, and all the ends of the world shall fear him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.
2: I invite you to rise for the reading of the Holy Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Mark. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Jesus says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. He sleeps. He rises. Day and night the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how. The earth produces by itself. First the blade and then the ear and then the full grain in the ear. And when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle. Because the harvest has come. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Let us pray. Father, we believe that you inspired your servant Mark to record this moment in the life of Jesus. And we believe these words not only had power when Jesus spoke them, not only had power when Mark wrote them down. But these words have power today as we hear them and open them because they're inspired by your Holy Spirit. And so we pray, come Holy Spirit, open this word for us, perhaps as never before, that we would be changed more and more to be like Christ for the sake of the world. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. I invite you to be seated. Jesus wants us To sleep well. Jesus wants us to sleep well. Yet most of us are exhausted. You know, each year when I arrive at my annual retreat in England at the monastery, I end up sleeping for the first 24 hours because every year I arrive exhausted. Sometimes our exhaustion is physiological. Sometimes it's a season of life. Whenever Monica and I meet a couple who are pregnant for the first time, we always say, hey, unsolicited advice, get as much sleep as you can because you're never going to sleep again. But more than just physiological reasons and more just than season of life issues, ultimately we end up being exhausted as Christians for theological reasons. Because Jesus tells us this parable this morning so that we can understand That the way we understand the kingdom of God is going to decide whether we can sleep well or not. The way that we understand the kingdom of God will determine whether you and I can sleep well or not. You see, the kingdom of God, which was the center of Jesus' preaching... Right, he, he brought this up again and again, more than talking about salvation, more than talking about love. He talked about the kingdom again and again. And the kingdom of God, this, this announcement that God's reign, God's rule was breaking into the world to put it back together was the very center of what Jesus was promising in his teaching. The reign of God, I think, is best described in our psalm this morning in the bulletin on Uh, Verse Oh, let the nations rejoice and be glad for you shall judge the peoples righteously and govern the nations upon the earth. Oh, that God would govern and reign and we could see the effect of that reign and that rule. That's what Jesus is promising with the announcement of the kingdom. And just to be clear... When Jesus announces the kingdom, he's not just talking about a one-day reality. Oh, yes, come and believe in me, and one day you can go with me to heaven, and then we can experience the kingdom. See, Jesus understood that the inbreaking of the kingdom of God was something that was happening right now in our own lives, in our own marriages, in our own homes, in our own workplaces, in our own communities that the kingdom of God, bit by bit, was breaking into this world as it grabbed a hold of each human heart. This is why Jesus says at the very beginning of Mark's gospel, chapter one, verse 15, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news of the kingdom. You see, the announcement of the kingdom, this announcement that God's Rule was breaking, coming into our world, putting things back together, is at the very center of Jesus' teaching. And what Jesus tells us in this parable, one of his many parables of the kingdom, is that if we understand the nature of the kingdom of God, we will learn how to sleep. Because here's what the kingdom of God is like, according to this parable. This parable that's so often undertaught, I've never taught this in my life. A lot of people see this parable and they say, oh, it's a sowing parable. Isn't that that longer parable of the sower? And they sort of skip this over. There is something absolutely unique and profound here about our ability to sleep because this is what the kingdom of God is like. We sow and then we sleep because the coming of God's kingdom is sure. Sure. This is what the kingdom of God is like. We sow, and then we sleep, we stop, we recognize our limits, because the kingdom of God's coming is sure. See, it begins with the fact that the kingdom is like us sowing, that we sow, we have a role to play. Verse 26, if you're with me, in Mark chapter 4 Jesus says the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed upon the ground. What we need to recognize immediately is that this incredible inbreaking of God's kingdom that's putting the world back together doesn't preclude our activity. This is not some kind of passive exercise where we sit back and say, "Well, Lord, you know, bring in the kingdom. Lord Jesus, take the wheel." No, we are actually called to scatter seed. We're called to sow. We're called to play a role in God's kingdom. We've all met those people that are sort of too spiritual for Jesus. You know, they're more spiritual than Jesus. And and, and no offense, because if you talk like this, I've talked like this, and maybe you don't quite hear what it sounds like you're saying, but someone comes up to you and compliments you and says, you know, hey, you know, great job. You know, great sales presentation. Or you did such a great job with the kids today at Sunday school. Or, you know, just what a great, you know, parent you are, whatever it may be. Someone compliments you. And the response is, oh, it wasn't me. It was all God. God. And, and I get what they're saying, but what I really want to say in this moment is, yeah, I know it's all God, but you were up there with your lips moving too. Like that was you I saw. You were integrally involved in what was happening there. Right? The concern we need to recognize is that we are called to work. Adam was put in the garden in chapter 2, verse 15, to work the garden, not to sit back in leisure, but to work to be actively involved. And Paul even goes further that our work should be done with as much excellence as we can offer. He says in 1 Corinthians 15, I worked harder than all the apostles. We pour out our lives sowing. And the amazing thing is that God uses our sowing for his kingdom purposes. He includes us. He says, come work with me, walk with me, and your sowing will have an impact on this world. God has designed his kingdom in such a way that it involves your sowing and my sowing. Big activities and little activities. Every piece involves us. And you know what's amazing? We see this, I think, most clearly when you think of Genesis chapter 1. Right? Verse 26, when God says, let us make humanity in our own image, which means there's something about the creative nature of God that has been put into us as those who image God in the world, right? We are not creators, but we have the image of God. We're called to work God's creation creatively. And God uses that gift of image bearers in the world to transform the world. Here's the best example. Wine. Wine. Right, Wine, I, when I'm in Baptist circles, I have to say coffee, but I'm in an Anglican setting. Wine, you know, is something that involves human effort and work, right? You can have the most beautiful grapes and the most beautiful vineyard, but you ain't ever going to see a beautiful cab come right off, of the, off, off the vine. It requires an image bearer to work the fruit, to transform And work the fruit in such a way that you have a beautiful glass of Cabernet Sauvignon in your hand. Which reminds me of Benjamin Franklin saying that, you know, wine is God's proof that God wants us to be happy. (laughs) But we need to recognize that you and I so often have no idea the impact that our sowing has in this world. Those small things, those little things. And so often I think it's really often the little things that we're not even aware of. Those passing moments that can mean so much to another person and have an impact for the kingdom. I remember when I was 11 years old, I was in sixth grade and our librarian, John Johnston, little Scottish librarian in our school, uh, came in in one period per day and would get us to start reading. It was all about trying to appreciate reading and get us to read out loud. So a bunch of sixth graders reading Tolkien. He got us to start reading The Hobbit. And I was terrified because I stammered whenever I spoke. Therefore, I was terrified to speak in front of people. And I'd been laughed at way too many times in my short 11 years. And I went to Mr. Johnson privately and said, Mr. Johnson, I, do, I don't want to read. And so John Johnson took me aside to the library in my math period. Thank you, Jesus, I got out of math. And he tutored me. And I I just quietly said, no one else is here but me, just read. And I read. And he would teach me how to open my voice and not trip over my tongue. And over one year, I became the, the most celebrated reader in the class. John Johnson died before I went to seminary. But that small work of a librarian made me a preacher. It, when we are in heaven, we will have the unique joy of finally seeing all the ways that our sewing, our work, has impacted a life in this world. You'll have a friend that'll come up to you and tell you that you, that word you spoke to them brought them from the edge of absolute despair, and you never knew it. Some stranger will tell you that you offered them a kindness in passing which saved them from the most deepest, darkest thoughts about themselves. Some Rwandan will come up to you and say that you and your church built schools that not only introduced them to Jesus, but got them into college and helped them change their country. This is what God is doing with his kingdom. He calls us to sow, but he also calls us to sleep. For all the sowing that we do, all the good that God can do through our sowing, we've only got so much ability and we've only got so much power God ultimately is the one that is growing his kingdom. And we see that most clearly in verse 27. We're told of the farmer that he sows seed in the ground, but then he sleeps and rises day and night, and the seed sprouts and grows. And then it goes even further and says he knows not how. At some level, we've got to get our heads around this, that the farmer goes out and sows his seed... And then whether the farmer's awake or asleep, guess what happens? The seed grows. And even further, the farmer doesn't even fully comprehend exactly what's going on beneath the earth. This isn't about some sort of pre-modern view that doesn't understand agriculture, of course. First century farmers had some degree of understanding. Jesus even explaining with the you know, complexity of the, the blade becomes the ear and then the complexity of the full grain in the ear. What Jesus is saying is you can understand agriculture to the core of your being, but you don't really fully understand how a seed becomes a stalk of grain that can feed someone. It is beyond our comprehension. And this is why not only is the kingdom of God like this that we sow, but also that then we have to sleep. We have to stop. We have to recognize our limits and say that I do not make the seed grow. I cannot make the seed grow. And it flies in the face, I know, with everything we believe about the modern world. You know, we we live in this world where we can know everything, right? Just Google it. And we can solve everything, right? If we pour enough research and time and money into it. We can do anything. But the problem is we keep getting frustrated as we recognize that we're not actually as much in control as we think we are, right? It's a grand illusion, this sense of control that we have over the world. I mean, think, think about it right now, 2020, oh, 2020, right? In the same year that humanity has managed to privatize space travel, a virus has brought the world to its knees we are not in the control that we think we are as the sociologist Peter Berger says we end up in this confusion that we think we're so strong technologically but we really aren't we end up being as he calls a very nervous Prometheus it makes me think of my uncle Victor who's a farmer my uncle Victor farms our family farm in central Canada And Monica and I own a quarter section as part of that farm along with other cousins. And my uncle farms it. And he's one of the most calm, gentle, trusting, faithful Christian men I know. And here's the great thing about farmers. For those of you who are farmers and know about farmers, it applies to ranchers and so many other places. But they really sow hard. I mean, they work hard. It's a year-long process of sowing. Farmers never really fully stop in the year. But my uncle Victor works really hard, really sows, and then stops and sleeps. He he recognizes his limits. And here's why I know that my uncle recognizes his limits, and he understands this concept of limits and sleeping and Sabbath. Because I've never seen my uncle out in the fields, even though he's facing the uncertainties of rain and the uncertainties of hail and all the rest, I've never seen my uncle stand in the field, yelling at the ground, telling the seed to grow. Because if we did see my uncle or any farmer doing that, we would say, oh my goodness, how frustrating that must be for him. Or even worse, that's a crazy person. But we do this all the time. We yell at the seed to grow all the time. We get in the mix of what is not our work. And we stress about it. And we grab a hold of it. And we worry about it. And we then start pushing out the boundaries of our life. And suddenly, eight hours a day isn't enough. It's got to be 12 hours a day of work. And there's no margin left. And there's no more time for our loved ones. And there's no time for Sabbath. And we arrive at the place where we realize that we can't sleep anymore. Because somehow we've bought into the illusion that if I just work a little bit harder, if I worry a little bit longer, then maybe I can regain control of this world. It's exhausting. I daily have to be reminded, and I will say that COVID-19 has helped me learn this. I daily have to be reminded that Christchurch Plano grows And flourishes while I sleep. And at times that seems incomprehensible to me. But we all know it's true. We're caught in this unending cycle of being drawn in to try and control things that we can't control. We sow and then we have to sleep. Human beings have to sleep or we die. We've been made creatures that have limits. It's built into the DNA of creation. I like how Luther speaking about his ministry in light of this passage and his just trust that he's got a role to do, and then he just sleeps and lets God do the rest. He says this, he says, I simply taught, preached, and wrote. Otherwise, I did nothing. And while I slept, or while I drank beer with my friends, the word did everything. I did nothing. The word did its work. See, God has not made us to be frantic Farmers. He's made us to be faithful farmers who will sow and then will sleep. As Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. See, Jesus is telling us in this parable, this is what the kingdom of God is like. We sow and then we sleep. And here's why we can do that. Because we live in the reality that the coming of the kingdom is sure. See, without that, the rest of it doesn't make sense. Up to that point, if we didn't have the surety, the guarantee, the promise that the kingdom is coming, all this would be would be an exercise in trying to get us to chill out and relax and sleep a bit more, but we'd have no real confidence to do so. Except for this, verse 29. He says, and when the grain is ripe, he puts in his sickle because the harvest has come. The harvest has come. See, it's, it's not wishful thinking. It's not that sense of, well, I'll plant some seed and you know, 50-50, there'll be some harvest that comes. No, the farmer understands that he does his work of sowing and that God brings about the growth of the seed. The harvest is assured. The harvest is coming. It's a promise and it's sure. Think of it this way. When you and I pray for the coming of the kingdom. And we pray the Lord's prayer, thy kingdom come. Are we simply hoping for something that we're not sure will happen? Or are we claiming a promise? A promise that is rooted in the reality that Jesus, the son of God, as he goes to Jerusalem, as he comes to Calvary and bears the sin of humanity on his shoulders, as he dies the death we should have died, rises on the third day, declaring victory over sin and death, and then is enthroned in his ascension as the king over the cosmos, sending the Holy Spirit into the life of his church. We are believing, because of that reality, that the harvest is sure. The coming of the kingdom is sure. Every moment, Jesus has said it's so. The place where I, I see that most clearly is one of the most famous passages in Revelation chapter one. You know that alpha and omega passage? Revelation eight, Revelation chapter one, verse eight. I am the alpha and the omega, which means beginning and end. And then Jesus says this. He says, who was and who is and who is to come, the almighty. And, and, and the English is actually a bad translation there because our English language just doesn't grab a hold of what's called The present participle. Now, for those of you grammarians out there, you understand what I'm talking about. But the 99% others are like, what are you talking about? A little tiny participle makes all the difference here. Because when we talk about Jesus coming and we say that in the creed, he will come again to judge the living and the dead. You've got to think of it in terms of something that's happening right now. It's not something that just happens one day in the future. Kind of like Jesus rose from the dead, fell asleep on the throne. One day his alarm clock's gonna go off on his Apple watch and be like, oh, it's time to come back. And then he arrives. But we often think like that. But the present participle means this, that the best way to translate that in the English is he is the the, the one who is and who was and who is in the process of continually in this moment coming ever closer, moment by moment. Jesus is pressing into his world, moving closer every day, every minute. And that little participle helps me sleep knowing that Jesus is presently coming into his world. Presently, moment by moment, bringing more of his kingdom, bringing more of his justice and his peace and his recreation into this world. More of his shalom is being brought into my life and to those around me. Knowing that helps me sleep. And let me be clear. Of course, it doesn't mean that everything's going to work out the way we want it to work out. There will be lots of surprises as the kingdom of God breaks in because the king has a tendency to do it the way he knows is best rather than how I think is best. But his kingdom coming each moment is sure. He said it. It's a promise. I can sow and then I can sleep only because I know that the coming of his kingdom is sure and promised and guaranteed. Because hear this in the words of Psalm 121. If Jesus the King is presently, moment by moment, always coming, always getting closer, always pressing in, do you know what that means? I mean, it's a small thing, but it means everything. It means that he never falls asleep. That Jesus, from the moment of his ascension as King of the cosmos, has every moment been awake and moving towards you and me bringing his kingdom to bear. And so all of a sudden, the promise of Psalm 121, that he who watches over me will not slumber. He who watches over Israel will not slumber nor sleep. Becomes true in this sure inbreaking of his kingdom. He is coming. He is awake. I am human. I am limited. I sow, and then I need to stop because I need to sleep. And I can do it because he does not slumber. He does not sleep. I can put my head on the pillow at the end of the day after a day of sewing, with work and with family and with community and all the things that are still going around in my head, all the unresolved stuff, my aging parents, my sick friend, the conflict that emerged last week, this unresolved issue I have in my heart, whatever it may be, I can hand it To my Father in heaven and say, I've sowed and now I need to sleep. And you can take this because you don't slumber and you don't sleep. That's how we learn to sleep. See, Jesus wants us to learn how to sleep, He wants us to sleep well. And so he gives us this parable, this parable that shows us what the kingdom of God is like. If we can understand the kingdom, then we can learn to sleep. And the kingdom of God is like this, that we sow. And it makes an impact, what we sow. But then we stop and we sleep. And we can do it because that coming kingdom is sure. You know, for 20 years, Since Monica and I discovered the Anglican tradition and the prayer book and Compline prayers, we, every night as we're lying down in bed, no matter what kind of day we've had, no matter what kind of week we've got, my wife will reach across the bed and take my arm every night. I'm halfway asleep and she grabs my arm and she prays this, guide us waking, O Lord, And guard us sleeping. That awake we may watch with Christ. And asleep we may rest in peace. That is how we learn to sleep. And Jesus wants us to sleep. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. I invite you to rise as we confess what we believe about God and his coming kingdom in the words of the Nicene Creed.
3: We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is visible and invisible. Please kneel for a time of prayer. Let us pray for the church and for the world, saying, hear our prayer. For the peace of the whole world and for the well-being and unity of the people of God, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For Foley, our Archbishop, Todd, our Bishop, Paul, our Rector and Dean, and for all the clergy and people of our diocese and congregation, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all who proclaim the gospel at home and abroad, remembering especially our missionary partners in Rwanda, Archbishop Laurent, His clergy, congregations, and preschools. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For our brothers and sisters in Christ who are persecuted for their faith, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For our nation, for those in authority, and for all in public service, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all those who are in trouble, sorrow, need, sickness, or any other adversity, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For all those who have departed this life in the certain hope of the resurrection, in thanksgiving, let us pray. Lord, in your mercy, Hear our prayer. Let us humbly confess our sins to Almighty God, most merciful God. We confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed, by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways to the glory of your name. Amen.
2: Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who in his great mercy has promised forgiveness of sins to all those who sincerely repent and with true faith turn unto him, have mercy upon you. Pardon And deliver you from all your sins, confirm and strengthen you in all goodness, and bring you to everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. I invite you to rise. The peace of the Lord be always with you. Let's share that peace with one another, immediately within our own family groupings and indirectly with the rest.
4: I invite you to be seated for a few brief announcements. Good morning and welcome to Christ Church. Thanks so much for joining us for worship on this Lord's Day today. If you're visiting us this morning for the first time, we want to extend a special welcome to you. After the service, please stop by the welcome desk in the Narthex and we have a gift for you. We're so glad you've joined us for worship today. I have one uh, exciting announcement for this morning. And you can learn more about it on the back uh, inside cover of your bulletin. We are launching a new initiative in the next few weeks. We are calling Chow at Home. Chow, of course, stands for Church on Wednesday. But instead of gathering here on Wednesdays to learn together and to fellowship with one another, we'll be gathering online from the safety and convenience of our own homes. Uh, Chow at Home has two parts to it. First, We will be releasing a weekly video uh, taught by our clergy on Bible studies uh, beginning on September 9th. And second, we are organizing new discussion groups that will meet together online weekly to talk about the videos and to study God's word together. This is a great opportunity if you are looking to connect uh, with people here at Christ Church to um, fellowship, to develop relationships, and to learn together. So you can register on our website christchurchplano.org slash chow. Hope you can all join us as we chow at home together. If you are celebrating a birthday today or in the coming week, please stand where you are so we can pray God's blessing on you. Our prayer for birthdays is on page 8 in the bulletin. Let's pray together. Watch over your children, O Lord, as their days increase. Bless and guide them wherever they may be, strengthen them where they stand, comfort them when discouraged or sorrowful, raise them up if they fall, and in their hearts may your peace, which passes understanding, abide all the days of their lives. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Happy birthday. Couples, if you're celebrating a wedding anniversary today or in the coming week, please stand where you are. And you can hold each other's hands, and I'll pray God's blessing on you. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, bless, preserve, and keep you. The Lord mercifully pour upon you all spiritual benediction and grace, that you may faithfully live together in this life and the age to come have life everlasting. Amen. You may kiss your bride. Congratulations. We are continuing to abide by our various safety protocols. You can read specifics about what all that involves on the inside cover of the bulletin. Let me give you two reminders as we prepare to come to communion together. First, uh, as you come forward to receive bread, make sure your hands are extended out in front of you like this so we can place bread safely in your hands. If you'd like to receive wine, remember to receive that individual cup from the bottom to consume right here and to place it in the empty tray. Let us now walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God. Amen. Please stand for our preparatory hymn.
5: up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right. Our duty and our joy, always and everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who on the first day of the week overcame death in the grave, and by his glorious resurrection opened to us the way of everlasting life. you to kneel as we continue in prayer. Holy and gracious Father, in your infinite love you made us for yourself, and when we had sinned against you and become subject to evil and death, you in your mercy sent your only Son, Jesus Christ, into the world for our salvation. By the Holy Spirit and the Virgin Mary, he became flesh and dwelt among us. In obedience to your will, he stretched out his arms upon the cross and offered himself once for all that by his suffering and death we might be saved. By his resurrection, he broke the bonds of death, trampling hell and Satan under his feet. As our great high priest, he ascended to your right hand in glory that we might come with confidence before the throne of grace. On the night that he was betrayed, our Lord Jesus Christ took bread, and when he had given thanks... He broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take, eat. This is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, after supper, Jesus took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink this, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you and for many for forgiveness of sins. Whenever you drink it, do this in remembrance of me. Therefore, we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. We celebrate the memorial of our redemption, O Father, in this sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving, and we offer you these gifts. Sanctify them by your word and Holy Spirit to be for your people the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ. Sanctify us also that we may worthily receive this holy sacrament and be made one body with him, that he may dwell in us and we in him. In the fullness of time, put all things in subjection under your Christ and bring us with all your saints into the joy of your heavenly kingdom where we shall see our Lord face to face. All this we ask through your Son, Jesus Christ, by him and with him and in him. In the unity of the Holy Spirit, all honor and glory is yours, almighty Father, now and forever. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. Christ, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed once for all upon the cross. Therefore, let us keep the feast. Hallelujah. The gifts of God for the people of God. Take them in remembrance that Christ died for you and feed on him in your hearts by faith with thanksgiving. Come, beloved, all is ready.
2: pray together our post-communion prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for feeding us with the spiritual food of the most precious body and blood of your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ, and for assuring us in these holy mysteries that we are living members of the body of your Son and heirs of your eternal kingdom. And now, Father, send us out to do the work you have given us to do, to love and serve you as faithful witnesses of Christ our Lord. To him, to you, and to the Holy Spirit, be honor and glory now and forever. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in the knowledge and love of God and of his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, And the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be amongst you and remain with you always. Amen. Let us go out singing together, Rise Up, O Saints of God.
3: into the world rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. Thanks be to God.